Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. One of the biggest changes the coronavirus has brought to our way of life is the way we educate our children. In the States, many schools are choosing to begin the school year virtually or reopening classrooms at reduced capacity. But in Kenya, the government has elected to cancel school altogether until 2021. This decision comes with harmful consequences for many vulnerable children. This increases their risk of suffering through um, domestic and sexual abuse, hunger, malnutrition, prolonged poverty, and more. In a society where education is directly tied to survival, denied access to schooling has potentially grave implications. With me on the podcast today to discuss how Kenyan church planters are rising to the challenges of COVID-19 with gospel intentionality is Ronald Kogo. Ronald is planting Covenant Baptist Church in Nakuru, Kenya. He and his wife Jacqueline are raising four kids together. Ronald, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much, brother. It is good to see you, man. The big smiling good face. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> we've, uh, good to see you, bro. We've spent a bit of time together, haven't we, Ronald? Yes. Um, I think that was two years back in Nairobi. Yeah. And then last last year together in uh, Orlando. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was planning on coming this past February, but we, we had to cancel um, for mm. various reasons, and then COVID hit. So eventually I'll get back there, Lord willing. God willing. Yes. God willing. Yes, yes. Hey, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to faith, about your church planting journey uh, in Nakuru. Yeah, um, as I've said, I'm Ronald Kogo. I'm married to Jacqueline uh, Kogo. We are raising four kids, uh, 15 year old, and the nine year twins are girls, and then we have a five year old boy. So we have two boys and two girls. Uh, I came to faith in 2005 after a very long battle with uh, my own his own sin. And uh, I've been in, I, I was in the Pentecostal movement at some point in my life. And uh, I'm the kind of guy, wherever I went to the crusade and they would say, who wants to get saved? I will be the first one to raise up my hand. So I went to numerous crusades. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things the world was promised is that the moment you get saved, so that means everything is going to be okay. And I just felt the weight of my sin. It never went away from me. So 2005, I decided, you know, uh, I'm going to be reading my Bible. So I'm not going to go back to this thing, crusades, and just raising up my hands. So 2005 um, in February, that's when I got saved as I was reading Romans. So it was, uh, I decided to read through the Bible the entire year. So reaching Romans 3, uh, the way, you know, uh, the Bible truly explains about the nature of our sin and the only hope being Christ from from verses 19 onwards. Um, that's when I came to the Lord. I, I was in my house reading because it was something I started, it was just some a behavior I started doing. And I knelt down and I prayed to the Lord. It was not a long prayer. Just ask the Lord to forgive me. Uh, these words which I've read are very true about me. Forgive me of my sins. And that's when I started my journey with the Lord. Hmm. Amen, brother. And so then take us from that point into your, your church planting story. 
Yeah, I've been involved in two church plants um, in 2008, uh, Njiri Bible Church, which is in Nairobi, uh, in the slums of Kawangware. And then I was involved in another uh, church plant in, again in Nairobi in Kabiria Satellite. It's called Grace Baptist Church. And in 2006, uh, we needed to take a sabbatical from the back-to-back church plant. So we joined Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nairobi. And we were there for two years, two years. And so uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church sent us here in Nakuru to plant Covenant Baptist Church. Uh, Covenant Baptist Church is a, is a Baptist church in Nakuru. Uh, it's a church that we started uh, in 2008, uh, August. So it has been a, a long journey. We have just finished, we are just celebrating our second year uh, coming August. Uh, but it, but before that, obviously, I was coming to Nakuru. I've not I was not born in Nakuru, so I'm not a native of Nakuru. But I used to walk through Nakuru. So when with the mind of planting a church in Nakuru came up, we we spent a whole year traveling back and forth from Nakuru to come and do Bible studies. You know, uh, build build up a co group. And by the grace of God, when we started in 2018, we were we were around. Um, 13 13 or 14 of us and so that that has been uh, something of great great encouragement to to us so we thank god uh, uh, covenant baptist church is a church uh, that lord we have seen tremendous and tremendous blessings from the lord it has been a, a very very great blessings from the lord that uh, uh, as a young church, we have a membership of 29 uh, members uh, as, a, as, a, as a church. Uh, we are we will be on the 15th of August. We will be uh, affirming our deacons, our first deacons. Uh, the Lord has given us numerous opportunities, uh, which part of my uh, uh, heart is some, I, you know, I have a very big heart for pastors. And so the Lord has opened a door for us. And the Covenant Baptist Church, we started a training school this this year, which we have 12 students who are all pastoring churches in Nakuru. And the vision is uh, to help even our churches in Nakuru to, to get rooted and to be gospel-centered. So the Lord has been great, several opportunities in universities and in schools. And so we are seeing God at work. In them. Though we are very few of us, 29 of us, we, we, we find joy in Christ and our togetherness. And we see what really God is doing. And we know the Lord is going to use us more more in bigger ways in Nakuru just to preach the gospel and also to help other churches be more healthier. Wow, that's great. So you said you had 12 students in the training program? Yes, we have 12 students, of which all of them are pastors in various churches in Nakuru. Hmm. Now, the you talked about being gospel-centered. Uh, obviously, a big need uh, in Kenya is to saturate um, that great country with the, with the gospel, right? Yes, that's very true. We, there's, you know, when you come to Nakuru, especially for us in Nakuru, one of the things you find on the road is that a big sign that tells you Nakuru is the city of God. Hmm. But as as you uh, live in Nakuru and you uh, keenly observe what is happening among churches in Nakuru, they, we know we, there's so much prosperity preaching. Mm-hmm. There's so much, you know, cults, you know, uh, you know, non biblical. Many churches are not built on the solid ground of the word of God is final sufficient. It's it's the word of man. So, realizing that all this time in Nakuru, we thought uh, we are not going to wait for until we be we are big. Then we decided to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided in a this very start let us also think about other and the lord has been good we have so far hosted uh, 
two conferences uh, last year and the other year. We the first conference we had around eighty pastors coming over, and last year we had around a hundred pastors coming over. So we we are. You know, we we, we we are telling the Lord, we will do what the Lord allows us to do uh, for our heart is that to see the gospel. Christ is being proclaimed in, in, the, in the pulpits mm-hmm. uh, in Nakura among many churches. Mm-hmm. Amen, man. Now, you're uh, involved in the church in Hard Places Apprenticeship, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about that process, what that's been like? Yeah, I've been involved. I'm, I've been involved as an apprentice. Uh, I finished uh, last year. But also, I'm involved as a, co- a cohort leader in East Africa. Uh, so I, I think, uh, when I think about the last two church plants I've been involved in in Nairobi, and this one in Nakuru, um, I think there have been a tremendous, tremendous way of looking at things. To some point, you think, I wish I knew these things before I dived into any kind of church plant. So for me, the church in hard places, you know, apprenticeship has been of great and enormous help to to me in just knowing what uh, it means to, you know, to, to, to plant a church, do church, lead a church, you know, develop leaders. It's something I, you know... Um, Think about our cultural backgrounds in Africa. When you become a pastor, you, you church plant, it's always about you. Everything, you know, resol- revolves around you. And so that has been a great learning. You know, the books have been, you know, we, we did uh, many books. We did like uh, 24 books with the Church in Her Places. That's, 20, you know, two years. And the amount of things I I, I read and they, ha- they are helping me on a day-to-day basis on how to do church and you know one of the i think the greatest thing i do appreciate and i've appreciated so much is the need or the desire or the teaching about raising up leaders uh, uh in in a church that you are not looking from outside god to bring in and throw down people from heaven but uh, you know just having men and sitting down with them taking through them the bible and just doing church the entire process of church you know things we learn of like plurality of eldership how do you come to those uh, aspects how do you come to those decisions to bring up elders in the church why it is important to be a plurality of eldership and not just a single uh, you know man just learning the good doctrines of the bible that really uh, will affirm your ministry in some way if you we are to use that word to, to understand that ministry is not about man it's not about what you do. It actually is about what Christ wants to do in his own church. So for me, the, the program, I would say it was like a thumb up. I would give, give it a thumb up. And that's why I do encourage several guys even here in Nakuru who are willing to come on board. As a cohort leader, I'm learning as I'm hearing the brethren also what they are going through because at some point you might think it was you alone who, who was doing things in the wrong way. But I'm learning from the brethren seeing also how they are struggling uh, to, to, to articulate the things we are learning together, how they are struggling you know, to come from a me ministry to us or to a, a priority of ministry of how to do ministry with other people. So it's something as as we share on a monthly basis with them on different uh, books they are reading. I, I can see an appreciation. So far now we are in like this is the last year with the other the first group, and I can see an appreciation. These brothers write emails and they are really appreciating. They're like we didn't know these things, and majority of them they have just also dived into church, you know, church planting. So the program is really I would say 
it's something that we need it's something good it's something that you know uh it's workable for us given the fact that you know you are not being plucked out of ministry go somewhere study and then come back and plug in again it's study where you are do it where you are read the books uh you know read the book and then also continue with the ministry. What you read, put it in a practice. And I think that's that, that's something mm-hmm. so good, given the fact that many people here in Africa or in East Africa, people get into ministry with zero training. Uh, and it mm-hmm. would be not a good thing to pluck them out and say, let them go uh, learn and come back. I think being trained while at the field itself, you know, it's something of great, great importance because also you're trying to tell people, Sit in a class, go back and practice what you have read. So I think the program is needed. My prayer is that, you know, people will continue many to benefit from it. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for our guys who who lead uh, Church in Hard Places. Um, Tell us a little bit about how life in Kenya has changed during the coronavirus. Yeah, it has changed enormously. I would say in five ways, uh, things which I can think of. One, lockdowns and curfews which some of us have never experienced at all. Uh, and these lockdowns and curfews have led to big, big problems in the society. Um, we talk about things like, for example, uh, families which have disintegrated because of the curfews. We, you know, we are talking about uh, marriages that you know have fallen apart because you know these people have never known to sit together. Uh, again, uh, restriction in movement, uh, in doing things, that has been a great effect on, on on us as a family. And then you know the other thing is the health crisis. The COVID nineteen has just brought in. We have just come to realize uh, we don't have our hospitals do not have the capacity. To, you know, to help the numbers that, like, like for now, we are talking today, we are talking about 20,000 cases and our hospitals do not have the capacity, the, you know, the doctors don't have the capacity to do that. So, so you know, we have just realized that, you know, these things, we, we always think there's a hospital to go, but now we are, re- we are realizing we are unable, if there was to be a big, big thing, we are unable to go through this. And then the fear that has just gripped people, uh, you know, too much information outside in the social media. Nobody knows what to take in, what not to take in. We have had like we are having mass exodus. People getting out of cities and and towns. They are going back to their homes because everybody is like probably back at home. I will not be able to catch COVID. We have social inequalities or injustices that have been you know you know we have been experienced because of this. In in a sense, for example testing of covid here it's 10000 plus that's 100 dollars plus to test so how many people can in on the average scale in kenya how many people do have that capacity to go and be tested it is impossible and that's why people have decided just to sit back <clears throat> and wait what comes what comes if we think about the isolating facilities where you know we have seen clearly that probably those who have enough money or have some cash have 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 had an upper hand you know they have been given better facilities so the poor partly they have been taken in places where you have to live in a place with those who are infected those who are not infected people have been complaining as some have been complaining they have been infected because there have been places where people they have been put together with others who are not who are infected so and then the the gap that has kept on widening 
between the poor and the rich because of COVID. Because now everyone doesn't know the future, how it's going to be. So you find those who have are keeping what they have. Like, I, I'm not willing to give it out because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The poor man has nowhere to go. So what has happened, those who are poor, they are saying, you know, better to get COVID than die hungry and that's hungry and that's why the government is keeping on pushing people please social distance every this and this but people are feeling like if we stay at home what are we going to eat it's better to get covid than to die poor the other matter has been a decline in our economy a big big factor people have lost jobs completely uh you know uh, we have had cases where uh, mothers have poisoned their children and they have killed their children the reason being they have lost their jobs and they are feeling like why should i keep my kids and look at them starve to death uh, so so there have been that businesses have been closed completely People have ran out of town. People are going back to, to, to their homes to just let me go home and die home. So, And then we have had the domestic abuse. You know, these things we are talking about, we are thinking about things like, you know, children now who are not able to be going to school because schools have been closed. They are now are being turned into slaves. They have to work. You know, they have to do massive jobs. Uh, you know, we have crime going on because kids are not at work, they are idle, their hands are empty, you know, nothing they can be, they can be doing. So all these things are, are contributing. Yes, there is COVID, but we see the, the great impact that, yes, there is COVID, but the great impact that the COVID is bringing to the society is not only in terms of, you know, we can't move health crisis, but even the day-to-day -day, uh, society life, which is becoming unbearable leave wow man really heartbreaking ronald i'm gonna i'm gonna pray for for your country and for you guys this sunday at my own church and um those who those who, who are listening uh lift up this brother lift up uh, this country talk about the the shutting down of schools this year um what kind of implications have, have has that had on uh, vulnerable children, teenagers, and talk to us about how some church planters and pastors have been responding to this crisis? Yeah, I think the shutting down of schools, as you you know, you, you said in the beginning, obviously, <clears throat> we are looking at twenty twenty one for the schools to reopen, and they are going to reopen again in phrases, in, in phases, sorry, uh, whereby now we are thinking about maybe universities and they may they come to secondary, they will come to primary. But I think the greatest effect of the closing of schools has been in, in various ways. One, there's that, you know, already we don't have so much good, I would say good schools. Our education is a bit lagging behind. So you can think, now that a whole year has been spent home, we are looking at a decrease in our literacy skills, you know, which is now is going to go high and high. We don't know how many are going to go back to school next year. Parents who had paid some little money at the beginning of the year, we don't know how much they are going to be willing to take their, their children back to school, given the fact that already jobs have been affected. The second thing, you know, looking at where for us we are is, 
some schools around here are good that they keep kids in school and they offer feeding programs for these for these children but now kids are at home eating is a problem because parents some of the parents cannot have afford a three meal a day breakfast lunch and supper so you are looking at you know a problem that is you know we are looking at malnutrition our kids going hungry they have no food um, their parents cannot afford it to give them a three meal a day uh, some of their parents have been literally their their small businesses have 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 literally been have gone away so so you're looking at kids who are starving through the day uh, and, and that's a very sad sad story but thirdly also as i've said we are looking at you know child labor you know people are taking advantage now that kids are not in school uh those who are privileged to still their businesses are working what are they doing get these kids especially secondary school kids give them work pay them badly or pay them little uh, and you, you you know parents are also uh you know, in one way, they are feeling like, yes, you go do some sort of work that we can be able to get food to eat. And and fourthly, is something that has really has hit hard in Kenya is lately the government has been announcing the levels of underage pregnancy that is going on. Uh, just last month in, 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 in the Machakos, that's in the eastern part of Kenya, 4,000 cases of young kids who have been impregnated in one month. You can imagine. And, 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 you know, all this is happening because, you know, kids are at home. Some of like, there's a story that has been running in the newspaper uh, just recently from Narok. A 12-year young girl has been married off twice in two weeks to a man of 51, 51 years uh, for a week and another guy of 30, 35 years in another week. Uh, all this is because kids are at home uh, and people are preying on these young girls at home because, you know, guys are at home, there are no jobs. What else are they thinking? Just engage yourselves in behaviors that really are infringing on the rights of these young teenage girls. And then crime. Crime is another thing. You know, you know, groups that, that you know, uh, uh, bad groups, you know, gangs are, are recruiting young boys, young girls who are at home because there's nothing else these young girls are doing. Some of their parents who are privileged, they are busy, they go away, they leave them in the home, they come back in the ring, they don't know what the, you know, the kids have been involved in. So we are having like where we are in Nakuru, so many cases of crime have come up, you know, uh, they, they, there's a gang called Confirm here, they are recruiting young and very, very young, young, young girls and boys into their business. So it has been really a time you, you think about COVID, you think about the social injustices, the evils that are going through the society and sort of, you know, you are not so much alarmed where we are here. We are not so much alarmed probably by the COVID. These other things we are talking about are big things to us you know this is insecurity uh this is you know uh, child labor uh, you know high rates of impregnancies among you these are now becoming the real thing big things to us and we, we are thinking how do we solve this so that's why you hear when you hear in africa people just like life is going on normal for others it's like people are feeling like covid is not an issue because COVID has le led us to get into massive issues, which we don't know how we are going to sort them once the dust has settled down of the COVID.
How have the church planters responded? I think like for us in our own where we are is that uh, one of the we have seen enormous opportunities at the same time during this time uh, opportunities of just evangelizing to a fearful society which fear has gripped them they have been you know, so much fear from the media every now and then you know every now and then what they hear is death COVID will kill you. People people think, you know, the moment you get this thing, you know, there's no need for survival. So the opportunity has been of, you know, people are looking for hope. Where then should we turn to? People are not trusting the government like what is happening in the entire world. So so the opportunity we have has been, one, God has given us an opportunity of doing good, of just, you know, starving families going to them and helping them out with the food. So that has been a very, very a major opportunity to us. So because as we have gone, we have created friendships with the people. We, we, we have evangelized to them. We have talked to them, children who are loitering through uh, 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 our own neighborhoods. There's an opportunity to talk to them you know, help them think things biblically, make friendships to them so that they may know, okay, uh, uh, you know, we can go, we can go to somebody and talk to those people and help out. So part of our church at some point has been a beehive of, 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 of people been coming around. And, and, and also, we have also been asking ourselves, are we exposing ourselves to, to COVID? So we have had people coming. The little we have shared, and thanks be to God for Acts 29, the gift they sent to East Africa, has also helped a lot here in Nakuru, but among the brethren in East Africa, in just also uh, uh, shepherd, shepherding their own people, shepherding their own, the souls of their own people by doing good works to them, providing food to them, which is still a big challenge here, the, the, you know, uh, because when you give, others come, now we are having even others still asking, is there a way you can still help us? But as a church, I feel that has been a great, great opportunity, even as we plant churches that Frankly speaking, that we have known more people probably than we have known more people when we came in and the church began, uh, just because uh, the, the opportunity God has provided during this time when everybody is fearful, there's no food, jobs are going down, and the brethren who have helped us, it has been an avenue just to go and encourage, uh, you know, our families which are really in great, great need. Mm. Ron, um, thank you so much for sharing, brother. Um, I'm so glad the Lord has you there uh, to lead and be, to be a leader of leaders. Um, we are definitely praying for you guys and um, praying for church planters um, uh, there in Kenya. Also, if you're uh, listening to the podcast and, and you would like to give to Church in Hard Places, um, this is uh, uh, you're able to do that and you're able to bless um Guys who have real needs, like uh, like Ronald has shared, our church had the joy of of giving a, a gift, as and uh, many others have as as well. So it's a joy to partner uh, with our brothers and sisters uh, with churches around the world. Uh, and so, Ronald, it's just been a blessing to hear from you, uh, make us aware of some of these uh, social challenges uh, that you're dealing with. Pray that the Lord would use you to bring the gospel to bear uh, in a place that is. Um, uh, quite corrupt and dark, and um, that your church would just shine like a city on a hill, brother. Thank you, brother. Great, great having you on the podcast, and um, Lord willing, I'll see you soon, my friend. See you soon, brother. God bless you, and greetings to all the brethren. Amen.